You're listening to the Orchestra Teacher Podcast. Welcome to the Orchestra Teacher Podcast. This is Charles Laux, and I am your host. Looking forward to uh, another great episode here. We have amazing guests. Uh, I hope you're all enjoying your break. And uh, if you're on break, which uh, if you're an orchestra teacher in the public schools or private schools, I'm guessing that you are on break right now. But our guest today is Mr. Jim Van Isinga. Uh He is uh, in his 10th year of being orchestra director at Novi High School in Novi, Michigan. Uh, he has... Uh, He's a viola player and uh, has done some just uh, amazing things uh, in, in, in his state and uh, for, our, for our profession. Uh, Jim holds a bachelor's degree in music ed from Western Michigan University and uh, the, a master's degree in music ed from Michigan State. And uh, as a Buckeye, I won't hold them against him because, you know. <laughs> Anyways, uh, uh, welcome, Jim, to the Orchestra Teacher Podcast. It's so great that you're here. Yeah, thanks for having me, Charles. <laughs> uh, we wanted to um, just get to know you a little bit first, and then um, we have some uh, topics that we had kind of talked about that I think will be really interesting for our listeners. Uh, how are you enjoying your break? Uh, it's good. You know, it's a little busy, kind of a, a whirlwind, parents <laughs> and uh, in-laws and all of that. I'm actually at my parents' house right now in Grand Rapids, all right. visiting them for a few days, and so yeah, it's been good. Get to enjoy yourself. Are you gigging at all? Uh, no, actually, I, good. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> That's good. That's <laughs> a, good. Yeah, yeah. You don't. Yeah, yeah, it's been a nice break. Yeah, I hope all of you guys out there are uh, taking some time for yourselves and just stepping away from things. Now, the Orchestra Teacher Podcast is something I do on the side for fun, but um, I'm trying to step away from my duties at school as much as possible and just. Mm-hmm really in, enjoy the time and uh, have been doing that. Most of the time I record and do these podcasts, my family is sleeping or away or wherever. So uh, it's uh, it's something that I do for, because I enjoy it and because uh, it's just, it's just something that is very rewarding for me uh, personally and professionally. So enjoy that. Yeah. Um, tell us about how it's going for you and uh, a little bit. Well, first tell us a little bit about your background and, and, I, I just mentioned where you went to school and where you were now, but tell us a little bit about yeah. yourself. So I, uh, I actually started on viola in sixth grade, which is a little, you know, yeah. a lot of my friends that play viola, maybe starting violin or yeah. something else. But I actually started on viola because my friend across the street was like, hey, you got to play this instrument. And then <laughs> he quit. And now I'm an orchestra teacher. There and you go. So, yeah. And so then, you know, very fortunate, went to Western. And while I was at Western, I had a lot of, um, really great support from my professors and my wife is also an orchestra teacher and she was there. That's where we met. Mm-hmm. And uh, she is actually from Northern Michigan in Gaylord. And so we started going up there and teaching lessons and got hooked up with the community orchestra there, uh, which I now conduct and Great through that got uh, hooked up with the Alpina symphony, which I'm also the conductor of now. Oh, wow. Um, okay. On my, on my weekends. And so yeah, and then you know, school is school, and you're busy. COVID is COVID, and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you said mentioned uh, your your winter concert happenings. What tell us what happened with your winter concert there? 
So Novi is about 40 minutes from Oxford, Michigan. And so mm-hmm. after everything mm-hmm. there, um, there's a bunch of threats and things. And so we were out, wow. out of school. Uh, we came back to school on Wednesday and then we had no school Thursday, Friday because of uh, different threats. And mm-hmm. then Monday, students still did not come back and teachers came back. Uh, well, we lost Jim there on the Zoom um, oh no! Okay, go ahead. Uh, no, just real quick. Okay. It's fine. This 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 happens, and uh, it's, yeah. it's totally fine. <laughs> so uh, we, I think we lost you. The, the teachers came back on Monday. So the teachers came back on Monday to you know talk about how we're going to welcome the kids back and review our safety procedures yeah. and all that. And I was supposed to have a concert on Tuesday, and the kids knew this, so they were emailing me frantically on Thursday, right. Friday, like I need my instrument. I left that at school and. So my colleague and I loaded up a bunch of instruments and drove them all around to kids' houses because they wouldn't let the kids come get them. Mm-hmm. And so um, my principal asked me to move my concert a day from Tuesday to Wednesday. And so we just we just kind of did it, you know, and I told the kids, like, it might not be our best sounds that we've ever made, but we're going to just enjoy having the chance to make music together and be together and, and all that. And my officers really stepped up and went and bought a bunch of Christmas decorations and mm-hmm. made sure the stage was nice and bright and festive and trees. And they pulled the screens down yeah. and had the, like the 10 hour fireplace video play in. Okay. Yeah. All that. So it was a nice, nice winter concert. Yeah. That's, that's great. That's great. Yeah. It's uh really tough to think about um, all that has gone on particularly in your state um, and having to deal with that. And, you know, the safety of our students is obviously the number one concern. So music concert, whatever, or no concert or no music, uh, that's the most important. And um, so I'm glad that you guys were able to address that and, you know, still, uh, still do your concert and, uh, and uh, your, you know, your semester or whatever. uh, Yeah. On a, on a a positive, uh, in a positive way. So, Wow. Yeah. Everybody out there, uh, definitely thinking about, um, what's going on. Yeah. That's really hard. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, for us, um, while I'm thinking about it, uh, I just want to thank all of uh, you out there, uh, people who are supporting uh, the, the podcast and my YouTube channel. Jim is gone, so hopefully he'll dial back in. Um, the podcast, the YouTube channel, um, I did come across uh, the other day uh, that uh, the YouTube channel has reached 2,000 subscribers, which is just kind of quite amazing uh, considering it, it's just a bunch of orchestra videos and string videos. But um, very appreciative of all everybody that uh, has been supportive and, um, uh, you know, just entering. There's Jim. He's back. Let's see. There comes his audio. Yeah, I'm going to move to a different part of the house here. Maybe, yeah, maybe the Wi-Fi will be better there. It's hard when yes. you're away, you know, and yes. it's not it's not your uh, it's not your Wi-Fi and it's not your uh, setup. I get that. So, everybody, thanks for being flexible. <laughs> this is the great thing about live podcast uh, is that you know anything can happen. Yes. 
All right. So, um, yeah. So, uh, so now, uh, let's, um, get into just a little bit about everything else, uh, should say, um, um, you had talked about, you know, kind of your philosophy of teaching the instrument and not just the music. Tell us a little bit about your thoughts on that and how, you know, what you're doing. So that comes from, um, when I was in school, um, I didn't take private lessons. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a lot of siblings and things like that. So, you know, and private lessons are expensive. So yeah. I just had what I learned in school and then took about five or six months my senior year getting ready for music school auditions. Um, and then when I got to Western, my first month was playing just open D string, open D, open D, open D. And then fi- finally, my teacher goes, <laughs> okay, open G string. All <laughs> I played, right. <laughs> I played like two, two notes on open G and she went, no, no, back to D. And I was like, ah. okay. <laughs> you did it wrong. Yeah. yeah. And so I thought to myself, like, <laughs> you know, when I'm in the classroom, like I'm going, and I had great teachers, do not get me wrong. But I thought to myself, like, I am going to make sure that my kids play with good tone. And like all of these things that I'm learning here in my lessons, like those are the things that I need to tell my kids, because if they're not taking private lessons, I'm their private lesson teacher. Right. And so like, they need that information just as much as I needed it. For sure. So that's kind of where that comes from in this. I think sometimes we get really caught up in the concert, like the concert has to be good and this music has to be good and, and whatever. And I'm sometimes a little bit okay if the music itself is a little iffy, mm-hmm. if like in that rehearsal cycle, we got really good at one thing, like maybe it was a bow distribution we were working on or the bowl hold continued to get better or something like that um, to make sure that they have the skills to move on. Yes, you know, in either up the levels of the orchestra or to go on and play in community orchestra or anything like that. And so that's kind of where that philosophy comes from is, you know, not everyone can take private lessons. And so I need to make sure that they have that, that we need to get good at the instrument. Cause if we're good at the instrument, then we can play all of the music. Right. Whereas like, I think a lot of us, we say, here's our three pieces for this concert. We get really good at those three pieces. And then, we give the kids a new piece of music and it's like, they've never seen an eighth note before in their life. And we go, okay. Yep. Yeah. Remember that's how eighth notes go or 16th or whatever it is. And so that skill transference between pieces yes. is really, I think what I'm after in my teaching. That's awesome. Yes, absolutely. I, I, don't, I don't know if this has happened to you, but you know, I've received transfer students from wherever and uh, you know, we, we pull out a piece and like, Oh, we, we played that piece. And then they can't really play it and they can't really play any other piece except for that particular piece, you know? So uh, right. that's very frustrating. And, um, it, and I'm, I'm so glad that you brought that up because it's, it's definitely, um, I think something that we have to definitely focus on all the time uh, is, is what is our goal our, as educators? Is it, is it to teach these pieces or is it to prepare them to be musicians and right. be able to, you know, take a piece and do something with it or play with friends or play in an orchestra or whatever it might be. So uh, absolutely. Uh, that's really, really important uh, that we're thinking about teaching that instrument rather than. Yeah. 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 And teaching the musicianship skills that regardless of what instrument they play, even, you know, they yes. can, they can take those with them. Um, that's why I just love teaching phrasing and, and uh, talking about it and having kids interpret and, and um, you know, respond to that because it makes them think it makes them kind of think 
deeper than just, oh, am I playing these eighth notes right or, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Yes. And that's, I'm, pre- I'm presenting at the Michigan Music Conference here in a few weeks, kind of on that topic, this like developing their musical agency, like making sure they can make decisions. And it's not just always like a top down Thing. Awesome. So then they can do chamber music or whatever and make sure they can look at a score effectively and, and kind of work through the, the different levels of that to make really good bowing decisions or phrasing awesome. decisions or articulations and things of that nature. So that's, yeah. And it's, you know, different with every level. For my sure. top group is making their own bowings, you know, to whatever piece we're doing. And my bottom group, it's like, okay, why would we crescendo here? Or why mm-hmm. is this a down bow or why is this an up bow and really getting after the why, you know, we do things the way we do them or, mm-hmm. you know, if we can change it up, why should we change it up and um, getting after that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's important that we question our students and challenge them to to be creative and to think uh, don't just necessarily play what's on the page because there's a lot that's right. not on the page that we do. Um, and right. there's a lot that's on the page that can be interpreted multiple ways. So we were working on um, the Christmas concerto by Corelli before break, and um, we're going to be taking that to our uh, large group performance evaluation festival contest, whatever you call it, um, wherever you are. And um, there's so much in that piece that can be interpreted, you know, different ways. The tempi, the articulations, um, vibrato use, you're talking about vibrato use and mm-hmm. the lack thereof uh, and leaving right. it out uh, or uh, minimizing it. We're talking about trills and, you know, how many trills are you really going to do? Well, I just do as many as I can fit in. Well, no, let's let's see how many are you really doing. And uh, it, yes. can, we, can we line those up? Can we all do three trills or two trills on this particular note? And for, for me, that was... Um, really fun work with my most advanced students that they didn't really think about. There's like, well, I can play all these, they can play all the notes. I mean, they, when they sight read it, they can, they sight read almost all the notes perfectly, of course, because the notes aren't that hard, but we talked about what made that piece unique and what made that piece fun, which was trying to emulate the Baroque sound and, and, you know, doing all those, those really fine details and being artists, you know? So that was, that was very cool. That was very cool. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, and then, so, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, like, along those lines, like, we're doing Ruslan and Ludmilla Overture, and mm. most of my top kids have played it, you know, in youth orchestra or whatever. And okay. So they kind of go, well, this is the way that we did it then, and so this is kind of the way it, it goes. And right. And then it's looking at the <laughs> score and being like, well, like, the winds have a slur here, so why are we breaking our slur? And wouldn't that create a, a difference in the sound? And mm-hmm. maybe that slur is really important or not. And, you know, they hate, they drew hate it some days. Cause like we talk about this one measure the whole hour and all the different <laughs> possibilities. Yeah. And, and they're like, just, just tell us how to play it. And I'm like, no, we need, you know, we need to really know that if we are going to play it this way, that we have made that decision and we can stand by that. Decision, yes. Right? Yes. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Tell us about your full orchestra. So my full orchestra, um, I'm I'm very fortunate um, that I teach in a in Michigan, uh, one of the bigger high schools. We have about 2,100 kids. Great, and um, that has allowed me to have four orchestras at the high school, um, mm. four classes of about 45 each. And uh, my top group does full orchestra, and um, they they really are are great. We send a lot of kids to Allstate every year, and um, we can do some some really great stuff, um, and that. 
uh, is both kind of good and, you know, challenging because sure. I need to up my, my own musicianship game a lot um, to make sure that I can conduct and do the, the repertoire that they, they need and want. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it's, it's a lot of fun. And my kids also though are very opinionated on what we play <laughs> and what we don't, what right. we don't play and um, how we play it. So uh, it's it's a lot of fun having that full orchestra, and I do um, just I I don't have any kids myself, um, so I I have the ability to do evening rehearsals pretty Great. easily without okay. having to worry about family. Sure. And so we do mm-hmm. five to seven Monday nights. Yep. Um, you know, and so I get two hours with them every week. Uh, I get the the top kids from the band, and it's it, no one from the band is forced to do it. Right. Um, it's all who wants to do it. And which means I get not always some of the top kids, but I get the kids that are going to work really hard. Right. The kids that want to be there. Yes. And so we have a kid right now that he's a freshman. He just switched from trumpet to French horn and, uh, he's kind of in our middle band. And so he's, he's right on it. Yep. I'll be in full orchestra and he's playing, you know, new world symphony already. (laughs) And like, he's really getting after it. So that's good. Um, yeah. So it's really awesome to have that, um, so I was going to ask him about uh, uh, his students and how he's able to uh, how he's able to to keep them in there. But obviously, he's kind of told us it's kind of um, uh, on a volunteer system, not required. Uh, and those are the kids that want to be there. Uh, in my situation for full orchestra, we have um, we get to meet we meet once per week during class, and our uh, band director um, is. And, and has been um, with our previous band director and our current band director has been just amazing at giving up their time during the school day, one day a week uh, in order to uh, provide that experience for the students. Um, and I've, I've done it both ways uh, where it's the whole wind ensemble, which is kind of a lot of students uh, in full orchestra. And the, the cool thing about that is the students can play at a comfortable level. They don't have to play like or like an orchestral player, a lot more students get the experience uh, to play in the full orchestra, but um, the 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 I guess the problems come with balance sometimes, um, and what do you do with you know all your saxophone? So we've had to to um, come up with some interesting solutions for that. Uh, this year we are taking a different approach uh, with our new band director, and we're uh, just having the top students play for the most part. And so for us, uh, that has worked pretty well. I see that Jim is returning he's shaking his head I'm sorry no it's totally fine jim i just went off started talking about my situation for full orchestra um and uh, i was just saying that for a while there we did uh we had the whole wind ensemble play um and we had some issues with balance and but it gave a lot more students the opportunity um and we actually meet during the school day once per week once marching band is okay. over um, which is less time than you have um, but for us, it kind of works. A lot of our students uh, will not be able to do evening rehearsals due to the 8 billion things that they do. Yep. Um, and it is tough for me um, having having kids and, and family uh, things. And I'm also uh, 40 minutes yep. from school, so that doesn't make it easy to come home and just fly back real quick. I have So um, anyways, it sounds like that yes. is going really well for you. And yeah. um, you're... Um, uh, that that's great. You have that time and you have the students who just are, are, are on it and after it. And, you know, yeah. sometimes uh, the student that that will develop a, a really interesting culture within your program is just to have uh, those students 
you know, even if they're not the quote unquote top students, they're the ones that are working their hardest and that want to yes. be there. And, and sometimes those students are actually better than the ones who are the top ones anyways, just because they're making that, that really, really, you know, vigilant effort to like yes. do it, to do it. So, yep. Um, yeah. And that's exactly what we have with some of our horn players and mm-hmm. um, things like that, which is awesome. Um, you know, it, it allows us to really, I don't have to necessarily worry as much mm-hmm. about what pieces I'm going to do because I know they're going to take it to their teacher. Or they're going to stay after school and get help or whatever it is, um, mm-hmm. really make sure that it happens. So um, it's been awesome. And we've played some great stuff, you know, so. That is, that is what, what, uh, so you're working on, um, the Ruslan right now. Um, what else are you guys working on for your upcoming? So uh, the top group is doing Ruslan and the last movement of new world symphony, mm. which is one I've, I've been here 10 years. This is my 10th year. And, um, this is the third time I'm going to do that movement, <laughs> but the kids really, that's one that the kids really latch onto. And, yeah. you know, every four years the kids go, we want to play new world and all right, so okay, let's do it. Yeah. And, uh, but then again, they'll work harder if they, they'll they'll work harder at a piece if they want to play it, you know? Yes. That's, um, but for their string piece, I'm kind of going outside, not outside the box, but, um, I rented a work, uh, called listening to the land, which Mm. is from a broader suite called, uh, called broken ink by Zhou Tian, Mm. who is a a Chinese uh, composer. He teaches at Michigan state. Oh, Um, wow. Yeah, he gets played by Chicago Symphony and all this. So if you're interested, definitely check him out. Um, but the, and, and how do you spell this, that? How do you spell that name? Uh, Z-H-O-U. Z-H-O-U. T-I-A-N. Okay. And so um, he has this movement from the bigger suite orchestrated three times for like a large orchestra, a medium-sized orchestra those are both full orchestras and then a string version so we're going to do the string version and has the kids it's really tough they kind of come from some tremolo triplets to false harmonics right away whoa Um, okay so it's contemporary piece very contemporary sounding cool yeah it's beautiful it is absolutely beautiful um so i'm looking forward to to doing that and um the kids aren't so sure about it but um (laughs) I'm like you'll love it. It'll be fine. Just yeah. Just, Sometimes just, you have you know. to convince kids that uh, this the piece will grow on them. Yes. You know, um, and uh, I one of my quotes. I think I got it from um, my, one of my former colleagues from Ohio, Mark Scholl, uh, is uh, do not base your opinion of this piece on your inability to play it. Mm. You know, uh, mm-hmm. for the first time and or or whenever. And so uh, for me, uh, I, I use that quote, and I just know there are pieces that the kids are going to like, but they just don't have that understanding yet, you know, of, um, a lot, for a lot of them, it's the dissonant harmonies. They don't, they just haven't heard or it's a new scale or mode and it doesn't sound familiar. So it's just a matter of them getting used to it and, uh, starting to appreciate it. And for me, I get excited about it and talk about it and, um, that eventually gets to them. You know, yeah, that same way. Yep. Yeah. So, so, and then, um, tell us about your community orchestras, uh, that you're, you're conducting, your guest conducting, your associate, yeah. uh, your main conductor, or how does I am you... the main conductor. Wow. Yep. Uh, of two of them now? Of two of them. Yes. Wow. Okay. So you're super busy. Tell us a little bit yeah. about those, uh, and you know, uh, how they're like, what they're, how they're comp- comprised, you know, what kind of, sure. kind of, uh, community members are in them. 
Yeah, so I love community orchestra. Absolutely love community orchestra. I think it's probably one of the best uh, things that we have in our society. Mm-hmm. Um, and I play in my own community orchestras down here, um, downstate. But we go up to Gaylord. Um, like I said, we, we've been going up there now for mm, thir- 12, 13 years and teaching some lessons. And the Gaylord Community Orchestra um, used to be called the Gaylord Chamber Orchestra. Okay. And so I started, my wife grew up playing in that orchestra. Um, so she was bringing me up and some of our friends and, and we play every once in a while. They did about four concerts a year and, and it was, everything was going well. And mm-hmm. then, um, you know, there's a financial downturn and, and all of this. And the orchestra mm-hmm. was like, the board was like, we're done. And so a group of us were like, but, you know, let's, we'll become a volunteer group. Like, this is really important for the community and, and all that. And I was really getting into conducting at school in my undergrad. So um, I was asked, you know, if I would want to conduct a little bit, then I said, sure. And uh, so we did a pops concert, the first concert. And then we kind of did a concert a year as we could get people to come and and volunteer. And uh, that has just kind of grown as people moved into the community, wanted a place to play and all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, and they have strong band programs up north, but not very strong string programs um, oh. other than in like Traverse City. So we're been trying to build that a little bit. Um, but, you know, people retire up there and and all this. And so the Gaylord Community Orchestra is comprised of kind of all levels. Like there's people that they came <laughs> to the violin as an adult, you know, and just want a place to play. Um, but my concert master has a DMA in violin performance. Perfect. Um, my principal, my principal Viola, um, until she retired, she spent her career in the opera orchestra at the Kennedy Center. Wow. Um, and so, like, there are people that truly know that. And like, as when I was start conducting them, I was twenty two, <laughs> like that, twenty one. Yeah, so you're <laughs> like, so uh, like yeah. yeah. So, so it's hard to be like, yeah. Can we do this differently? And <laughs> have them look at me and be like. No, and so you know, <laughs> gave they, me the eye. <laughs> yeah, they they were super supportive yeah. and very helpful. And um, my principal Violas in particular, she was like, "You're doing a great job," and this and that. And we, she told me conductor horror stories, and she's like, "You're not that guy," and um, all this. And so what we do now is we back up to three or four concerts a year, mm-hmm. and we do because I'm teaching full time and all that. We yeah. and. Um, Gaylord is about an hour south of the Mackinac Bridge, and so it's about an hour and a half for everybody to kind of get drive there. in that wants yeah. to come. And so that's a lot to do weekly things, so we don't. Um, and no mm. one was really interested in that. And so we do a Friday night rehearsal for three hours, mm. a Saturday afternoon rehearsal for three hours, and a Saturday night concert. Boom. Okay, so it's it's yeah. not a weekly commitment. Um no, which you know, for me, I, I think that would fit fit me better too. And I and I'm not getting to play as much as I would like to, um, basically because of family, you know, time and right. busyness at school and um, some other obligations I have. And so, um, not that they're bad obligations, they're just things that I put first, family. Um, but uh, you know, having a schedule like that, I think for a lot of people would be more yeah. appealing. You know, especially yeah. if you're driving a really far away, but just even if I wasn't, it would be still more appealing is like, and I'd still get, I think I would, I think I would still get the, the feel of value and the enjoyment out of it. Yep. 
Nice. And so it becomes a, a challenge, you know, how do you program for that? You right. Know? The winds are really strong. Okay. Our string sections are small. Um, but we have some really good players and, you know, we have some weaker players. And so trying to balance that. And it's one of those things like, well, the trombones really want to play. And so you try to push toward romantic yeah, works, sure. but that ups the level of the string players have to be. <laughs> But the string players can kind of hide a little bit more in some of that mess. Some of it, yeah. You know? And then, but you go, but that's really hard and it yeah. pushes the, their range of the instrument. So you go, okay, so maybe we'll do like Beethoven, but then that's got to be a little bit more cleaner. And if it's not, it shows. Yeah. You know, same with Mozart and Haydn. And so Absolutely. it's this. So this last concert we did was um, we had Fangy Sun, who's the violin professor at Central Michigan come and do Mozart violin concerto number five mm, and nice. um, Hovana symphony number 10. Oh, wow. And, uh, and then we did a, um, Frank to Kelly released a flex version of earth song. Oh. And so we did that, um, kind of make it a, like a full orchestra version of that. So that sounds cool. It was a nice concert. Yeah. Yeah. And then do you get, uh, the opportunity to like pay some ringers to come in, uh, yeah, so yeah. we pay mileage for everybody, okay. and then... Uh-oh. We'll be back. Got the mileage part, and now we're... Jim is uh, taking another hiatus here <laughs> from our, doing our technical difficulties. We are on Zoom right now, and I haven't had a lot of uh, problems with Zoom uh, in terms of uh, connectivity, so... Um, it's definitely uh, causing Jim some problems today. We apologize, all, all of you guys. Are you there? You're back. Yes. Okay. Just, sorry. All right. No. I'm so sorry. No, it's totally, it's totally fine. It's totally fine, sir. Uh, you know, this <laughs> happens. Uh, when I and, and when I edit the uh, the audio podcast, I'm just going to take this stuff out. But sure. when we're live, hello everybody yeah. out there. <laughs> do that. Um, well, go ahead. So you're so talking. Anyway, they pay mileage and. Yeah. So like, if we get really desperate, we you know. We'll give someone a hundred bucks or something to come sit in and help out. Mm-hmm. Um, and Joanna's family lives on the lake. They have a family cabin up the road. Mm, nice. And so um, when we were at Western, we would bring our friends up. We'd recruit during the weeks and all this and, and drive them all up there, house them at the lake house and feed them. And uh, fun, you know, they, they'd come play a concert. And it was, and a lot of times we would try to do things that we knew they already knew. So it wasn't like they had to learn a whole new symphony on top of schoolwork and other things like that. Um, so, yeah, that's been really helpful. But now we're out of Western, and yeah. so some of my students have gone and <laughs> maintain a connection with some of the universities to get some kids up right. and some other people. But Good experience um, so for them. Do it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of how we, we marketed it to them. Like, you know, go play in community orchestra because, you know, at Western we did uh, – probably five or six concerts a year nice. and uh, you know, but there's other pieces that you need to learn and do and have, you know, more professional experience in some ways, right? Like mm-hmm. you don't get four weeks of rehearsal all of the time. You get four rehearsals or yeah. two rehearsals or something like that. Yeah. So yeah. That's cool. I, I, I love yeah. that idea. I love it. And it's great that you're um, able to, you know, still do a, uh, some more conducting on the outside and, and just uh, in that enjoyment seems like, like you said, you just love the community orchestra and you love that it yeah. is a, as a, as an organization, but also that musical part too. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to um, yeah. go ahead and um, open up the the phone lines. And uh, if any of you are listening, you have a few listeners out there that want to ask Jim questions or just say hey or whatever. The number is, uh, it'll be up on your screen here in a second. Uh, it's actually um, 678-901-9035. Again, 678-901-9035. And I just got to make sure that uh, my phone is ready uh, to rock on this. And then um, we'll be able to take your calls. It is ready now. And like I said, I think that those... Uh, our, our com- the, the number will be coming up on your screen here momentarily. Um, but again, 678-901-9035. We'll let that go. We'll continue our conversation, Jim. Um, yeah. uh, the other thing, you, you're also prepping a session on developing student musical agency? Yeah. What is that? So that's, Tell us about that's, that. You know, giving the kids an opportunity to make their own musical decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we just... A lot of times youth orchestras work this way um, and orchestras in general work this way where you sit down in rehearsal and the conductor says, this is how we're going to play this piece this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I left Western uh, again, not having private lessons before I got there. Wow. I left okay. Western, you know, not knowing how to do my own fingerings necessarily, not really sure how to choose my own bowings. Um you know, there was things that felt right or felt sure. good. Or yeah. I, I talked to my teacher a little bit, but, you know, it's still then I was looking at a piece that, I, well, I just want to learn this piece for me. Then I go, oh, where do I even start with the fingerings? And where do I start with the bones mm-hmm. and the musical ideas and all of that? And so I want to give the kids an opportunity to learn how to make those musical choices for themselves. Cool. Um, so that they can go out, they can do chamber music, they can participate in community orchestra or, or whatever, and have knowledge on this. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's one orchestra I played in for a while where I was constantly fighting with them about the bowings because, you know, they wanted every crescendo on an up bow. And that if that meant doing 30 bars of 16th <laughs> notes backwards, that's what we did. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so it was constantly like, well, no, guys, we can just throw a, an extra slur in or a double up or, or something else somewhere mm-hmm. to make this happen. Um, we don't need to do this whole passage backwards. Or, <laughs> right. Latoriadors, do you do two bows a bar or one bow a bar and, you know, all of this. And we have some great resources out there now. Sure. Um, like the New York Philharmonic Archives, we can see what their bowings were you know, whenever they did that piece with whatever conductor. That's amazing, that resource. Yes, it is. And I use it all the time. Oh, great. With my full orchestras. So, um, and so like, for example, the New World Symphony that we're doing, like we'll start with those Boeings maybe, because that's just, you know, doing 15 minutes worth of music and the Boeings um, is a challenge and that takes a long time. Mm -hmm. And so we'll start with that and we'll go, oh, maybe this one doesn't work for us. Or why do you think they chose that Boeing? Cool. Like, what did that accomplish? What did that achieve? Um, well, let's try it without that bone. Let's try it all separates instead of with the double ups and double downs or whatever. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, and it's I, I got this. Um, I went to the University of Kansas City, Missouri uh, conducting symposium last summer, which was done virtually with Professor uh, Kevin. No, oh, yeah. he used to be at Mich- Michigan State. Oh, right? OK. You know, he's at, and I didn't realize he had, he had moved. OK. Uh-huh. Yep. And uh, so went to UMKC, and so I went, and he is just so phenomenal, but he kind of has this checklist, right, of, like, context, harmony, 
length, range, orchestration, markings, and then your general intuition. And cool. he kind of works through all of that so that all of your musical decisions come from the score. Um, you know, with a little bit of this is how I kind of feel that music. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and so I've kind of stolen that from him. Uh, and to use with my kids to give them a frame of reference for that. When we look at the score, here are the things that we should be thinking about first. Yeah. And now, you know, so now we've made all these decisions from the score. It does that line up with kind of our musical intuition or not? And if so, which one do you think should win? Um, and generally <laughs> it does, of course, Yeah. you know, but um, right now we're, we are fighting about this Ruslan Boeing at the beginning uh, dum, bum, ba, dum. You know, it's slurred. Dum, ba, bum. Oh, yeah. And so there's a lot of people do down, down, up. Uh-huh. But there's, you know, a lot of youth orchestras and things go down, up, up, down. Yes. And that's, that's how, how I, I see it a lot. Yes. And that's how the kids want to play it because that's how they've played it in the past. But I said, but the flutes are slurred. Yeah. And then later on, you need to do the double downs um, in the Piamoso at the end. And, you know, so how do you, how do those two things jive? Yeah. Um, and just really looking at the complete picture instead of just their part, this works for me, um, you know, really understanding that they're part of a bigger puzzle so that when we make decisions about Boeing's, about phrasing, about whatever, it influences everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, That's awesome. And how do we do that? I, I love it. I love it. That's a uh, great topic. And um, just, again, giving giving the kids more than just direct instruction, you're, you're influencing their their futures and futures right. as musicians, if you will, you know, yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, cool. And then the, the, the last thing that you had mentioned was talking about, you know, uh, the, a conversation about student teachers. Do you currently have yes. one? Do you currently have, no, I had one. I had one last fall, okay. which was a challenge because we came back from COVID oh, yeah. and had 12 kids in the class and, <laughs> and all of that. Yeah. I, yeah, my, my thing with student teachers is, as I talk to colleagues, you know, around the country and about student teachers and what they're seeing and what they're not seeing, um, we have this conversation a lot where they're really green and it's like, of course they're green. They're brand new teachers, you know, they're going to be green. And so a lot of times we don't let them work with our top orchestras, Mm -hmm. you know, because, well, they're not ready for that. They're not ready for that. And then, then someone from a storied program, you know, with, they go to Midwest and Asta and they play in all these great festivals, whatever. Um, they go, well, who's going to take over for them? And nobody has had the training of, of having to handle that top orchestra, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so unless you've made uh, opportunities for yourself, you know, like mm-hmm. conducting community orchestra right. for me was, was huge, Absolutely you know? And so now I, I feel I can handle a lot. Um, but if you don't have that experience, you you can't, you know, and it's always a worry. And so I, I just, as I talk to colleagues, I'm always left with this, like, so we're worried about who's going to take over this program, who can conduct Tchaikovsky or Beethoven or Mahler or whatever mm-hmm. your orchestra is doing. Um, but yet we don't put our, the, the training teachers, you know, the student teachers, mm-hmm. they're training to do this job in a position to actually be able to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, we let them work with our freshman orchestra or, or middle orchestra and, you know, and then that's it. And so they're doing these, you know, grade three pieces at the most. And then we go, well, they're not ready for grade five. And like, 
what are you talking? You were not ready for grade five at one point. Right. And somehow right. you got there yep. and that was probably someone gave you an opportunity to do it. Yeah. You know, like when I started conducting community orchestra, I just asked, I asked someone like, can I conduct this one time? And he's like, sure. Yeah. And so that's, it, it's, you know? it's difficult. Um, I remember, I remember when I uh, was going to moving from Las Vegas to Florida and when I was in Las Vegas, it was the start of my career. I had taught seven years there. I done, I had done middle school the whole time and I had a, uh, I, I would say really, really good middle school group. And I had a chamber group there that, you know, played great, some grade four stuff. Um, it, but uh, there was this, there was definitely this doubt, you know, can he do it? Can he? Can he teach high school? I'm not sure if he's ready. And I, and I think that part of that doubt and not being able to really prove myself um, teaching high school maybe have cost me the decision of a job, you know, when, mm. right when I first started doing that. Um, and it takes a little while to prove yourself. And you're going to make mistakes. You mm. know, you're going to uh, pick the wrong piece. You're going you're gonna to do that. Uh, and not to say that our students are are guinea pigs for us to experiment with, <laughs> but right, at the same right. time, like I knew that I was driven. I knew that I had it in me. I knew that I could do the advanced repertoire, and you know, I proved everybody wrong. You know, but that's right. <laughs> that's right. and I still love that's teaching right. middle school. But uh, yeah. I, and I, I that's why I love my situation. And I've mentioned this before in the podcast: is I have everything from students who have trouble just holding their instrument with proper position to kids who audition for major music schools and everything in between, which for me, that's, that's the spice of life and the spice of teaching is being able to have that gamut. I think I would be bored if I had not, I wouldn't say bored if I had four chamber orchestras, like I have my top group, like I had four of those. I love those kids, but I also love my first period class who uh, they, some of them struggle and I get to teach the beginning pedagogy and I'm writing some exercises right now that based upon what we did first semester and based upon where we are after COVID and ear training is a problem. Following the conductor is a problem. I have a whole bunch of things. I'm going back second semester and this is what we're going to drill. This is what we're going to focus on. I just love that part of my teaching as well. Yes. And for me, I think that's, that's the building blocks of even doing the top orchestra. You know, I work with them on bow hold and bow distribution, just yes. like I do my, <laughs> my freshmen that struggle to play grade one and a half, even sometimes. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. So, oh yeah. You know, like, and I wouldn't be able to do what I could do if my music, if my middle school teacher um, wasn't so awesome and the elementary teacher and all this, and my wife teaches elementary. So I steal games and tricks from her all of the time you know, for the Mm -hmm. the beginning kids. And um, I just, and that's, I think part of it too, is we go, well, they're not ready to do whatever Tchaikovsky and, but they can teach a good, a really great warm up. you know, because what my top kids can do in terms of bow distribution and what I'm nitpicking them on, you know, is vastly different from what I'm doing by freshmen working on the same skill. They have to do it the same, I believe. Right. You know, but like it's getting to, okay, wow, that was really great. Right. But what else could be like, what could be even better than what they just did? Yes. And it's getting them. And so with my student teacher last fall, you know, I made sure she got time with the top orchestra and um, there's a little bit of a different situation um, where she was kind of coming to teaching orchestra a little later. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I let her do the thing and it was really uncomfortable for her. She was n- really out of her element, but that was the only group that we could have come in to do full mm-hmm. at the time. And so, 
she was doing great during the day with the younger groups. And then that was a, a struggle for her, but she now has that experience. Yeah. She ultimately was like, you know, I don't think I'm quite ready for this. Right. I'm going to stick and really focus on these. And I was like, great. But now she has the experience. Like, so when she goes and gets whatever job she can say, well, I worked with yeah. this group and these are the things we did. And I taught. So I think that's really important, yeah. especially if we want our profession to just further and get better and better. You know, we can't, we can't kind of gatekeep our top orchestras, right. I think. Yeah, you can't let you, and it, it's not fair to the, to the, to the profession and to the students that are coming up to, to do that. Right. Um, uh, one of my colleagues and an amazing uh, Georgia colleagues here and, and great friend, uh, Sarah Blackball commented on the, on the Facebook. She said she actually finds that the student teachers do better with higher level students. Um, and she teaches middle school, by the way. Uh, but they're actually close to that level of playing. And, and then mm. they, when they really have to fix things or maybe multiple things, she said all bets are off, which yeah. you know could also be the case, too, where, you know, your higher level students, they're going to have to go in and, and maybe just you know, fix some smaller details. Sure. Sometimes, sometimes it's easier. And there are a lot of teachers out there. Yes. Uh, I know in high school teachers uh, that, that thrive really well with their top groups because honestly, sometimes it's easier to fix those higher levels. And when yeah. you're working with the problem children, if you want to call them that have multiple technical problems, um, i.e. my younger students, uh, sometimes that is more difficult. Like how yeah. do we how do we really get them to make a good sound? So I think that's a great point, Sarah. Thanks for pointing that out. Yes. And thanks for yes. commenting. You're our first commenter yeah. on the Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> on the Facebook yeah, feed. Yeah, you know, we, mm-hmm. I think we see in our student teachers, because our band program has student teachers a lot. And so what we've seen is when they work with concert band, for example, they want to come in, well, you know, more crescendo or this and that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, why why isn't that crescendo happening? Like yeah. that's they don't know that technique yet. So, or whatever it is. So you have to teach them that technique to get them to do the musical thing that you want. Yeah. You know, and for us, it's like you ask for crescendo, but they're using two inches of bow. Yeah. That's not going to happen. No. Yeah. So you have to address the technical side, you know, to fix the musical side sometimes. Because I'll ask my students, I'll say, well, how do we get a crescendo here? They're like, play louder. I'm like, no, no. What do you, what do you really have? What do you physically have to do? Yes. Uh, And then like come up and and that's when they're like, their mouths open up and they have no idea. It's like, okay, what, what are ways that we can get a crescendo? What do we have to do? Oh, we could use more bow. We could use more weight. You know, we could play close to the bridge. We could move from the fingerboard to the bridge. We could do all these things, but they, they don't always know, you know? And so we have, we have to remind them and remind them again. And again and again. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that, yes, that's, that's our job, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, Jim, this has been awesome. Um, I'm so yeah, su- super excited that you're able to come on and I'm sorry about having those couple technical glitches, but uh, I'm really sorry. Uh, no, it's, uh, it's all good. Uh, but uh, I'm just, uh, it was so cool to hear your ideas. Um, I think there's some wonderful uh, things that you're doing. Um, good luck with your community orchestras and Thanks. the start of the year. Um, I'm hoping that knock on wood right here, that, uh, that COVID will not uh, hurt us too badly uh, in second semester. Uh, yeah. My students are looking forward to uh, a trip to Washington, DC and saying we're going to and, New York. Okay. And, 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 and uh, I'm just crossing my fingers and hoping that it'll just be a short wave here. I know that we're in a new yeah. wave, but um, but again, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, just again, uh, thankful that you're here and, uh, great to get to know you and, 
Uh, wish you a happy new year in 2022. Thanks, Charles. You too. So absolutely. So I'm going to uh, get signed off here. And uh, thank you so much, everybody, for uh, tuning in. I don't think there'll be any more podcasts before 2022. So for all of you guys, have a wonderful, wonderful new year. Thank you for listening. For additional resources and more information, please visit the Orchestra Teacher website at www.orchestrateacher.net.